This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 30 of the March to the Arch podcast in this 2019-2020 Missouri Valley Conference season. We have a huge episode today. This is going to be the Arch Madness preview episode. We've got two great guests. First, we'll have Jack Watkins, Associate Commissioner for the Missouri Valley Conference, join us to talk about the 30th anniversary of Arch Madness. And then later on, we're, we are joined by Harry Schrader of the Valley Hoops in Insider website where he we talk Arch Madness and break down the bracket that was released. But before we get to that, how are we doing today, Baker? Hey, it's 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 the week of Arch Madness, so you can't uh, Valley fans. This is what we wait for. So uh, this is this is just awesome. Best the week bracket. Once the bracket gets released, everybody just starts looking at it. Um, everybody sees their matchups, but you know their paths to the title game. It's just. All kinds of fun, and I can't wait to dive into it. I know. It was fun yesterday just following along. You know, I had my uh, my Hacksaw's graph printed out. Um, I was out and about a little bit in Bloomington and just following along with some friends, and uh, it came down to the net this morning. Yeah, it was, and you know what's it was crazy. I, I, I don't think that there was any scenarios where Illinois State's game mattered, so I wasn't really <laughs> paying attention to the Hacksaw sheet, but I love having it whenever, whenever the birds are involved, but it was crazy because I loved I. Shout out to Hacksaw, by the way, for for number one, just getting. I saw he even sent out an update. Like once yep. a couple games were played, he had an update out there saying what games were left. So, and he's even he's still out there grinding for the other leagues. So, um, I'll be honest with you, just kind of in the back of my mind, even though Archman is going on, it'll be kind of cool to kind of see his his graphs for the other leagues as well and yep. see how those kind of play out and stuff. So, you always love the work that he's doing out there. Yep. So. I guess let's just briefly go over what happened yesterday on Saturday in game uh, 18 of the Missouri Valley Conference season. Um, I, th- I think we need to start with Northern Iowa because we crowned a champion. Yes, we did. Um, we coordinated uh, Northern Iowa. Uh, they won 70-43. to 43. That was at Drake. Um, you know, Drake had an opportunity to, you know, play spoiler, but... Northern Iowa went there and just controlled the game. They absolutely took care of business in this game. Uh, Fife was just a beast down low. Uh, this was one of those games where it's like it it makes you think um, the matchup the matchup with Fife and Robbins. Fife was just awesome. Yeah. Um, it was it was one of those games that Drake kind of hung around with them, and but it kind of toward the end of the first half, it looked like Northern Iowa just kind of took over, and from there. Outside of a maybe a tiny little stretch where Drake, I think they got it back within six or seven. Mm-hmm. It wasn't close. Yeah, and this I mean, was just a this was a runaway Northern Iowa win. Just looking at the stat sheet for five, you know, uh, you singled him out. Seventeen points, eighteen uh, boards, eighteen boards. I mean, and then so he was up against Robbins, who had eight points and uh, ten boards. So sure. that was kind of, I mean. That's that's probably the matchup everyone looked at for the entire game. But I mean, Isaiah Brown had fifteen. AJ Green had fifteen. AJ Green wasn't wasn't particularly special, but it was one of those. I, you hear his interview after the game, and it was, I think they kind of keyed on him as yeah. he kind of felt that way. So it was kind of one of those things where he had to let the others do do their work. But I mean, a, a mediocre game for AJ Green, still yeah. fifteen points. Still fifteen points. So, um, he didn't make a three, so yeah. I'd be actually curious to see how many games he hasn't made a three in. I think it's this cur- season. It, that that to be a great question. But I think for them, if this is the AJ Green bad game, 
to yeah. get it out of the way now. <laughs> and um, it just shows how powerful this Northern Iowa team is. And with this win, they are alone, 14-4 and four in first place. I think uh, I think the one thing we should talk about with Northern Iowa in this game is, um, Vance, do you think that this put them in a position with, with depending on, say they lose an Arch Madness, are they an NCAA tournament team regardless? I do. I, I think that they've they've made their case. Um, we'll get we'll grab the net rankings at some point, but I mean I think they've made their case to the committee. You know now if they lost in the if they um, the, I think the only thing that will hold them back, like because the thing is Drake is still eighteen and thirteen, who's the eight seed, who we'll talk about it later. I think the only thing that would hold them back would be if they lost to Illinois State. Yep. I literally think, that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it, but, <laughs> but, I mean, as a conference, I think that's the only thing. I, I, correct me, you agree? I, I think that's I, the I only agree. thing that can hold them back because it, the one thing that is going to stink for, for them when they go to Selection Sunday is when they show their resume up there, the bad loss will be Illinois State. Yeah. That'll be their bad loss. Um, yeah, so pulling up the net rankings, I mean, they improved six spots in net rankings um, overnight. Uh, they're 37 in the net, so just with the NC, this first year for the net, um, mm-hmm. it's NCAA's metric. I can't imagine they're going to leave them um, out of the tournament. No, and, and I could see a situation where if they lost, you know, say on Saturday at Arch Madness, that they, um, uh, even if they did lose to Drake, I could see them being maybe going to Dayton for like a playing game. But yeah. I, I, I have a really hard time believing that if, as an at-large, they would leave them out of 68 teams. Correct. All right, um, let's go to the game uh, that didn't matter, uh, the only game that didn't matter uh, on Saturday. Well, yeah, um, and to any seedings. (laughs) (laughs) Illinois State, um, so maybe let's, uh, yeah, okay. Illinois State went to Evansville 171 to 60. Baker, there was going to be a first in this game, regardless of what happened. Either Evansville um, was going to get their first conference win, or Illinois State was going to get their first road win, and it was the latter. So you got to be happy about that. I hey, you know what? I called it a long time ago, and we said we'd get a road win. <laughs> we got one, so that's that's at least something. Um, DJ Horn had an awesome game, twenty four points. Um, I'm not going to really talk a lot about this game. It was a very competitive game um, down the stretch, uh, but Illinois State kind of kind of took it over at the end and just kind of separated themselves from Evansville. You know, with I don't know about five minutes left in the game, they kind of took it over. But um, pretty competitive game. But honestly, Illinois State just. I'm I'm saying they're the better team when we're talking about the ninth and the tenth place team, but yeah. they're the better team. They got it done. Um, Evans only had seven people play. Yeah, that's and that's not gonna, that's not enough. Um, Illinois State had ten people play, so um, I'm I'm just happy that they didn't go a season without winning a game away from Redbird Arena. Yes, um, but this game doesn't matter for Illinois State at all. I think the story of this game is 0 and 18. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's historic. Um, I would say I can't think of a team that's gone 0 and 18 in recent memory for me. Um, they beat Kentucky. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up. Did you see Kyle Parry's press conference yesterday? I did not. Um, they a reporter asked, you know, with you know early on in the season losing to Evansville, and then he like starts saying it, and Kyle Parry basically was like. We're still talking about Evansville. Like he went off on this reporter. Sure. Like, why are we still talking about a game that happened in November? Right. Um, so it was Evansville kind of got some uh, publicity there. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a bad way. It, this stinks because like I feel bad for Evansville because they have talented guys. To lose your coach the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, to lose Williams the way he he hadn't played. I mean. This has just been, he didn't even play yesterday. I, is he done? 
I don't know. I, I haven't seen like what came out of that I, or why he did it. I haven't play. heard anything either. We could uh, I, listen to the Aces Hoopcast. I'm sure they'll talk about it on yeah. there. But it's uh, it's just so does I'm I because per- I had Evansville third. I, I thought they had so much talent. KJ Riley, really good basketball player, still is a good player. He didn't have a very good game yesterday, even though he had eight he had 18 points, but 10 of them were at the line. Like we always talk right. about, KJ Riley gets yep. the line. Um, it's just I, I Licklider went into a no win situation. I I don't want to belabor it. It just it stinks. But you know what? March we're going to Arch Madness, so you know what? Now there's a little hope for Evansville. Who knows? Yep. But it's it's a disappointing season. All right. Yep. Um, so let's go to the Holman Center where Indiana State did what they had to do um, and beat Valpo 71-58. to uh, Story here, one of the storylines, JFL out with Mono, did not play, um, which is... Do we still have no, no word on him for Arch Madness? No word. Um, oh, that's horrible. But, I mean... Really, uh, hats off to Indiana State. The perfect storm happened for them, and we will get to that when we break down the bracket. But um, Saturday was a great day for the Sycamores. This game wasn't, this game, I mean, it was competitive in the first half, but it really wasn't as close as the score would lead you to think it might have been. Indiana State won this game going away. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a really big game for them. Um, Christian Williams has turned into, him and LaRavia, they have turned into just two of the, like, unsung heroes for this team yep. where, where you'd always think of Key and Barnes, Key and Barnes, Key and Barnes. Now you're thinking of that now we're starting to think of a third, fourth player on a team. Yep. Um that we I think we both agree Greg Lansing's a good coach. Yes. He's not he's not a bad coach at all. Um this is a scary team going into Arch Madness for sure. They are Laravia is just such a special freshman. I mean I think he's gonna have a postseason um He'll, I think he'll get an accolade uh, with newcomer. Or oh, I think he's definitely got to be on the all freshman team. Um, for sure. So, like, he's a special player, but I think you summed it up correctly in the sense that it's not just the Barnes and Key uh, show for Indiana State. They have way more weapons. I mean, Cooper Nice came off the bench and gave him 10 points. Um, he was two of eight from three. I mean, they, they're playing well, uh, Baker. I. I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana State can string together some wins in um, St. Louis. Wait, They're deep. They play. Uh, oh, wait, how many p- players got minutes? Uh, well, one was kind of garbage time. But they're playing, you know, eight, nine players. Um, so they're deep, and that's a key for success in uh, Arch Madness. It's it's interesting. So we the one guy I want to talk about was Christian Williams. If you go back to the um, the Drake game where he had the buzzer beater mm-hmm. um, in the in the last nine games of the season. He went into double figures seven of the nine games, um, and he had, he'd only been in double figures a couple times prior to yeah. that. So I don't know if that buzzer beater just gave him all the confidence in the world, but he has turned into just just an, an absolute just blessing for them. They yes. are he's gonna be he's gonna be sniffing a conference maybe for second or third team. Yes, that's that's absolutely. how good he's his second half of the season has been in the Missouri Valley. Um, as for Valpo, um, boy Vance. Going into Arch Madness with this, this is. Mm, I I don't love the fact that they're playing Thursday now. I, I don't. Um, I also don't love the fact if if for some reason Williams comes back for Evansville um, and JFL is not playing, could be. Yep. Um, Fazekas is going to have to pick up some of the slack with JFL. Without a doubt. Um, they was, have other guys. Clay Clay's Clay, good. Clay yeah. is really good. I don't want to sit. I don't want to McMillan and Clay and Fazekas. Sacky, they they have enough guys that they shouldn't worry about Evansville, but um, uh, the bell cow is gone. 
Yeah. Um, and that's a new world that Matt Lodick is going to have to figure out. So um, it'll be really interesting for them, a 9-9 nine and nine team that's going to play on Thursday night. So yep. just a disappointing end for them. So uh, real quickly, um, SIU at Missouri State. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good summary. Um, Missouri State took care of business at home, uh, 84 to 59. Um, I don't know if this is just a bad Southern uh, showing on the Saturday before Arch Madness, or is Missouri State starting to uh, trend upward uh, going into Arch Madness? Um, what I saw the most is that they finally were consistent. All their starters uh, were, well, um, four or five starters had double digit points. Um, there wasn't just, you know, Prim didn't just go off for, you know, 25 points or Lamont West didn't just go off. They were consistent, and that's scary. Uh, Prim had 14 off the bench. Uh, Muhammad had 15. He led the Bears. Uh, West had 11. De Silva had 13. Cook had 13. Um, that. This is the balanced attack of really talented team that once they're going, they're really tough to beat. Absolutely. Um, for you guys, no, I mean, you, you, one bright spot for you guys, Lance Jones. Oh, my gosh. He's now, he's starting to become my, <laughs> really great one of my favorite freshmen. And, he, um, and it was an efficient game, 10 for 17. I mean, he shot a lot of shots, but he made a lot of them, too. Yeah. 7 for 10 from the line. Um, I think that's, a, that's at least a good sign for you. Domask was non-existent he's kind of been non-existent the last couple games yeah Baker. that scares um, me i still think he's freshman of the year but yeah he's freshman um, I, I, if he's not freshman of the year there's a problem yes no i agree but he's not playing like the freshman of the year right now um this was so you talked about how saturday was really good to indiana state saturday was really bad to southern illinois yes um it was worst in my opinion worst as case scenario fan, it was worst case scenario and for, for me that. for me the other day i even texted vance the other day and I was, uh, I think you texted me back, why it'd be so cruel? Because this was like my scenario that I wanted. <laughs> because for me, the most interesting matchup for me was Bradley Southern Illinois. That, that's the one I wanted. And uh, it stinks for you because that's a really tough matchup. But um, for me, it's exciting. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, I just kept looking and I started scribbling out the scenarios once games started ending. And I was like, this is going to happen, isn't it? So I got one question for you about this. This is kind of interesting. And we'll talk about the awards too as well. Um, does this cost your coach coach of the year the end of the season? I, I think it will. I think it will. Um, I think Northern Iowa getting the separation. Um, I agree with you. Yep. I, I, it's sad to say because Brian Mullins has done just an outstanding job with the, um, the expectations and the talent that you guys had going into the season, losing Cook as mm -hmm. well. Um, I think that he has done an, an amazing job at Southern Illinois, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you just gotta, you gotta kind of be honest about it and call spade a spade. You guys are, you guys are more limping into Arch Madness than anybody else not playing on Thursday. Bigger, we've lost five of the last six games. Yeah, that's... Um, so, I, yes, I do believe um, it, us falling, um, or just the way we've ended the season, um, it is uh, now Ben Jacobson's award. All right, so um, the final game um, of, the, of the Saturday slate... Northern Iowa at Drake. Uh, Northern Iowa got a win. No, we've already talked about that game, haven't we, Baker? Yeah, no, we're we are at the Bradley versus Loyola game. That's the only one we Sorry haven't about talked that. about. Yeah. Sixty-seven. I was going the wrong way. Thank you. Sixty-seven, sixty-six. Uh, Loyola won an exciting game. Um, this was back. This was one of those just just classic Valley games. This was a big game for both teams based on seeding. Um, tight, 
tight throughout. Loyola had a little bit of separation at times. I think they ran it up to about 13 at one point, but Bradley fought back. Then they ran it up a couple points, maybe up to five, and then it was just kind of tight all the way down the stretch. And you know, the the final the final minute, I think Bradley wishes they had that back. Yep, absolutely. Um, um, just bad possessions at the end of the game. Um, Coach Wardle is not happy with. Um, Tom O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's my, my favorite official. <laughs> um, I personally thought that it was um, – you could you – you can make a case either way that it's a travel or not a travel. I said travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make a case either way. Don't put your – you know what? It Can't leave it in the hands of the ref. So he made the call. He, and Tom O'Neill stood by the call. Yep. So um, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, Brown had a couple chances late to um, get a sh- to basically win the game. Something you probably want to do on your senior night. So I, I kind of feel bad for um, he had the chance to have the late last minute heroics. I didn't realize they didn't. were down by eleven at halftime too in this game. Bradley had to make a. I didn't realize it was that far apart at halftime. But yeah, no, you, you feel for Brown, but um, he also has a weekend coming up that he can make up for. Yes, for that. <laughs> and I mean, this is the time of year that Bradley gets hot. I mean, really, they were they were pretty solid uh, with Childs, Cannell, and Brown all in uh, uh, double digits. I mean, Childs had twenty one points. Um, when those three are going, they're mm-hmm. they're tough to beat. I mean, Loyola did it, but um, yeah, I think everyone just because of last year is going to be looking at Bradley uh, Can- moving forward. Cannell and Brown, two seniors. Um, you hate to see how this game ended for them on Senior Day, but. Like I said, next weekend's coming up. But looking at Loyola, they had a uh, Williamson had a nice game. We I we've been talking about this all year on the podcast. If Williamson gives them something, and in 39 minutes he gave you 15 points, if he's giving you something, you still got Tate Hall who wasn't very good, but he's still really good. Um, Crutwig, we know how good he is. This is a team that's very dangerous. Yep. This Loyola team, and as the two seed now, um, they know their path. Yep, they do. So that's been uh, the Saturday slate here in the Valley. That was game 18 and set the seedings for Arch Madness. Baker, Arch Madness is here. The field is set. Um, It came down to this morning because we had to wait for today's net rankings. So let's just go through Thursday night um, first. But before we get to that, um, we're going to make our picks as we break down the games. We None of us have talked about it, who our picks are going to be. Um, and we wanted to count down and say it out loud who we were going to pick to win. We do not. We I have no idea who Vance thinks is going to win this tournament. Likewise with me. So, all right. On three, we're going to say who our pick is because then, uh, yeah, to make it fair. So, one, two, three. Bradley. In real estate. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so we're both different. <laughs> all right, so. All right, um, I would have probably said Bradley, but just I can't do that now. Fair um, enough. So. Now you definitely can. Yeah, yeah, I can't. <laughs> all right, let's go on Thursday, though. All right. Um, As Kona makes a guest appearance on the, the podcast here. Yes, that was my dog, Kona. Um, so <laughs> the first game on Thursday night, March 5th at 6.05 p.m. at the Enterprise Center. Pick up your commemorative poster on the way in. Um, we've got... Is that the giveaway? It is. Oh, it's a good giveaway. Yeah. There you go. Um, Drake versus Illinois State. Uh, Baker, I think I know who you're going to pick. What are, you, what are you looking for in this game? I'm hoping they win. <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Illinois State has had a really crappy season, and 
But you know what? When you're a fan of a team and you get to the conference tournament, you just hope you win it. And you never know. Uh, I don't think they can win four in four days. But um, No yeah. team has ever done that. Never. No. Um, you know, here's the thing. I think Illinois State's going to win this game. Okay. Illinois State's coming in on a win. Um, got a guys with a lot of confidence. Um, Drake just got throttled by Northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. So, um, And it's a homer pick. I don't care. Um, Illinois State... Just beat Drake a couple weeks ago, so they obviously know what they they know what they're up against. Um, they played them really tough in Des Moines as well. Yep. So um, I think this is going to be a really competitive game. I do too. I um, think it's going to be the the better game of the night for sure. For um, sure. Just from a talent perspective. The thing that scares me is if Robbins gets going because yeah. I don't think Illinois State Fisher's good. Uh, they got guys down low and or uh, Jai's down low. They they've got guys, but um, they don't have a Liam Robbins. So they just don't. I'm actually going on the other side of that pick. Um, I'm going with Drake, and that's because of Liam Robbins. And just looking at the matchups, I don't think uh, I just have not seen Illinois State be successful on a big man yet this season. Um, at least a couple times I've been, except for when they beat Drake. Sure. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, I just I, I think Drake has um, enough talent to um, get get past the the hump here. And I'm get curious. Over the, that. I would be curious what the the line is on this game. Yeah. I'm just like. I think it's gonna be a couple points. I think it can only be a few points. I think Illinois State. I it's a. I think that you're right. I, you're probably on the right side just because, guard for guard, I think they match up against each other. Yeah. Pretty evenly. Yeah. Maybe lean Drake, but it's Illinois State's got good guards with Horn and Copeland. Um, but you're right. The inside game, Drake has the advantage for they sure. Do. So. Um, should be a good matchup, though. I'm, I'm, I'm most excited about this game. And uh, so let's go on to the nightcap at 8:35 uh, Thursday, March 5th. It will be the seven seed Valparaiso versus the ten seeded Evansville Purple Aces. So quick note here on Valpo: um, Missouri State and Valpo tied. Um, they were both 99 in the league. As of this morning, uh, Missouri State had a net of 129, whereas Valpo's was 133. So um, kind of it came down to the net. and that's Second, what, second year in a row, 9-9. Nine and nine. Yep. Playing on Thursday night. So uh, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, so this one's uh, – it's intriguing, right? I've been riding Evansville all season. I haven't been wrong – or I haven't been right yet. Um, th- I think it all depends on if JFL plays. I think this will be a competitive game. If Is DeAndre Williams playing, though? That's, I mean, those, those are the key. Who's playing? And that's why I said that the Drake-Illinois State game is going to be a better basketball, in my opinion, because um, if those two guys don't play uh, for their respective teams, JFL for Valpo and uh, DeAndre Williams for Evansville, um, I could see this game being ugly. And so I would pick Evansville. I am also picking Evansville. <laughs> They're going to get their, their first win on Thursday. I've been waiting. I've been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Conliffe, KJ Riley. I think they find a way to get the win. I do too. Um, if JFL play, I'm going in the understanding JFL's yes, not playing. Yes, that's uh, my If JFL plays, Valpo's winning this game. Mm-hmm. If JFL doesn't play, I think Evansville's going to win this game. I think they get their first win. Um, this is a team that's been playing hard all year, Yep. even though they finished 0-18. This was the hardest-fought 0-18. They just took Indiana State to the limit a week ago. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you know what? Give me Evansville. Why not? Uh, going law of large numbers, they have to win one sometime. <laughs> Hopefully. So uh, the first game of Session 2 um, will be Northern Iowa, the number one seed, playing the winner of Drake, Illinois State. So kind of talk about, I guess, for this one, instead of really, ma- it's hard to make a pick because we both have different teams here. Do you think that Northern Iowa will have trouble with either of these two teams? No. 
I think that if they didn't have a sh- such a short turnaround because you're going from 6 p.m. to noon, I think that Northern Iowa would be scared to death of Illinois State just because they... No, I'm just kidding. They're, I think the team that Northern Iowa would be more fearful of would be Drake. Yes. Because in case Liam Robbins gets going, if they're hit, shooting lights out, um, they could be they put could put a scare in Northern Iowa. Um, but I don't think Northern Iowa, with a team playing that quick of a turnaround, is going to have any trouble in the first round. I, I, you agree? I agree. Um, I should have noted that um, get there early because the giveaway is the lunch bag for the uh, early session on Friday, which I'm pretty excited. Underrated giveaway. That's my low-key favorite one. Oh, um, yeah. Because sure. it's the most usable one, right? For I mean, sure. You're rocking it in the lunch room at work. Are you kidding me? I bet the lunch crew will be fired up. They will love it, um, especially when we have matching ones. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, the next game will be... The most intriguing game of Friday yes. for me. Um, 235, the number four seed Bradley will be taking on the number five seed Southern Illinois Salukis. Um, we've been saying it, or you've said it, the Salukis are limping into Arch Madness. Um, I am very glad that we have a week to prepare, or five days to prepare for this. Um, I think the Salukis need some rest. Uh, they played four games in ten days. Um, I uh, they need some rest. Yes, um, this is the most intriguing game of Friday for me. This is the two best defensive teams, in my opinion, in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm picking Bradley, but would I be stunned if Bradley lost this game? Absolutely not. Yep. Um, I think that Southern Illinois has enough enough weapons that we didn't know about at the beginning of the year. But guess what? The beginning of the year doesn't matter anymore. Right. We've seen this team. We've seen them play well. They're well coached. Mullins does a really good job with this team. Like you said, a week to prepare. He's going to have answers for you know Childs and Brown. He's going to at least have a game plan around those guys. Canal, getting going. Um, the other problem is, though, Wardle's also going to have a week to prepare for Damask, yep. McGill, and the rest of the crew. The crew. Um, I think this is going to be one of those... Um, kind of similar to last year when Bradley played Missouri State in the 4-5 and Bradley went on to win the tournament, mm-hmm. um, but only beat Missouri State by, I think, like two. Yep. Um, I think this is that similar type game. Okay. Yeah. I think for me this is a really similar team because in a tournament like this, the defensive teams usually, because some of these games get low scoring as the tournament goes on, so I think the defensive teams will, will rule the day. So I think this is a really good game. I think Bradley wins a close game. Um, is there anything to the adage that it's hard to beat a team three times in a season? Bradley swept Southern this year. Um, I used to think so, but it seems like recent memory that's kind of gone away. They mm-hmm. used to kind of be a, a, a rule. And I think for me, because I'm a Panthers fan, a couple of years ago the Panthers played. They were Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, Pan, as a Carolina Panthers fan, uh, they play in the division with the Saints, and they were swept and they lost both games to the Saints in the regular season, played them in the playoffs, and I was think, and I think that's where that – idea died for me uh-huh. because when they went in the playoffs they still lost by four in the playoffs so they lost all three games of saints um so no i don't think there's anything to it i think that um if southern wants to win the it, it's i think it southern this is a game southern can win yeah this is not a game they can that they're gonna get, they're gonna lose yeah i feel better i so i saw the bradley siu game um <laughs> in carbondale um great game and, and you guys was. fought, and, and you fought, fought really hard. Yeah, it, but I mean, still, how much is that? Like, we 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 got to stop spotting teams double digit leads early in the game. If you spot them a lot of points in this game, you're going to lose. Yes, absolutely. I think Southern Illinois is built to win a 
game in the 50s yep. in this against Bradley. Yep. If this game gets in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s, it's over. I don't think we have the score. Anything I do that, not think honest. you do. I think that if you're, I think if you're going into this game, you need to keep this game in the 50s, maybe low 60s to win. Yep. Um, but it's going to be a competitive game. Obviously, you're picking Southern Illinois. Yes, I am. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, the the night session, um, which will be the bobblehead baker. This uh, is championship the, trophy bobblehead. This is the one that I want. I want that bobblehead. Okay. Um, put it on your desk. It'll work. Dang right. So it'll be the number two seed Loyola playing the winner of Valpo Evansville. Um, I think Loyola takes care of business of whoever they face. I think we well we both picked Evansville. I agree, and I, I don't think there's any way Loyola's winning losing to either team, even if they're healthy. But if JFL's playing, I. You can convince me that JF that he can yeah. lead them to a win on night two. I just don't think because I know you talked about for a while that a Thursday team was going to win a yeah. second game. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think Loyola's Loyola's too good. I think them being Bradley was kind of the yeah. the turning like this kind of was like okay they're they're pretty darn good. They've beaten Northern Iowa. They've beaten Bradley. Yeah, this is a good team. They're not going to lose to a team playing sec- two nights in a row. I think that comment came a couple episodes ago, and that was whenever Missouri and it was, State at the time it was fair. Yep, yeah, we thought it would. I thought Missouri State was going to follow that seven. Yep, um, and that was a fair comment at the time. But I think now, just kind of looking at how things played out, I, I can't. I don't think either one of us can yep. see them losing this game. Yep. Um, okay, so then the last game, 835 game, will be number three seed Indiana State Sycamores taking on the six seed Missouri State Bears. Um, last year, the six seeded uh, Northern Iowa beat the Slukies in this game. So um, this is where we see a lot of the, the first upset usually um, because I, I don't think a four or five, like a five being a four isn't really that big of an upset. No, especially they had the same record. Yeah, so um, will it happen this year? I picked Indiana State to win the whole thing, so I'm going to say no. I don't think so. Um, Missouri State, while impressive against your Salukis, were not competitive with Valpo. Yeah. On Wednesday night. Yep. Missouri State is kind of that up and down team. Yep. Um, could they win this game? Sure. This could be a really competitive. I think it'll be actually. I take that back. I know. I think this will be a very good game. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I they split in the regular season. Um, yeah, give me Indiana State. I think they've got more weapons. You're starting to see kind of the emergence of that team kind of coming together. Um, I wouldn't be shocked either way. But, um, yeah, I think that the Missouri State, I just can't trust them. Yep. I'm with you. Um, going with the Sycamores. But if they do win this game, I, do not, I, I don't want to give this team confidence because right. they were picked to win the league in the preseason yep. for a reason. So. All right, now we're going to semifinals. Semifinals. So at 2.35, after everyone's picked up their confetti globe, um, it will be... Which is actually a pretty... That looks pretty, pretty cool, cool too. too. Yeah. They're all awesome, Baker. They are. Uh, they are. So Northern Iowa... People are going to think we're shills for the Valley now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Kind of are. That's true. That's uh, true. Northern Iowa versus uh, the Salukis in my bracket, and you have Northern Iowa versus Bradley. So go first. Um, so talk about Northern Iowa if they're playing Southern Illinois in the one versus five matchup. Um, do you think that your Salukis can win that game? I will be. Do I think they can win? Yes, but I'm picking Northern Iowa. You'll pick Northern Iowa yes. to get to the finals. Yep. Um, so this is where I have the upset. Okay. I have Bradley beating Northern Iowa. Um, I think this is where Northern Iowa goes down. I think that they take care of business, they get that first win, and then they lose that second game. 
it's kind of that classic. You, how many times in Arch Madness has the one seed gone down on Saturday? Yeah, it happens all the time. Yep. Um, I've I had an epiphany a couple weeks ago when watching Bradley, and it kind of just hit me like this is my pick. Yep. And I'm sticking with them. I think that now that they've they played enough games, they know who they are. Their defense, they have a really good defensive team. I think they find a way to get by Northern Iowa. They Northern Iowa hasn't seen Bradley for almost two months. Right. I think that that's going to show up here because Northern Iowa's not, or Bradley's not afraid of Northern Iowa. There's no way. So um, I have Bradley going in the final. All right. Um, in the 505 game, uh, it will be Loyola versus Indiana State in our brackets. We, yep, we both, both have of us have that. And I'm going to go with the Sycamores. I think Loyola wins this game. I, I know they're the two seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm. I'm not sold on Loyola. I really haven't been the last couple games. Um, they did go to Bradley and win, which is uh, um, obviously an impressive win. Super uh, impressive. But I'm just yeah. I'm not there for them to win. Um, I don't think I don't think they're deep enough to make that run. And Greg Lansing's a really good coach, and I think that in day two he's gonna he's gonna have them ready to play. I'm gonna tell you why I'm picking Loyola. It has everything to do with the fact that they got housed at the Holman Center two weeks ago. Got that I do not think that they can put together that kind of effort. Um, Porter Mosier, um, I guarantee he watched that film and knows exactly how to beat this team at this point. Um, I'm going to pick Loyola, in, and that could be the game of the tournament. Yeah. That's an extremely competitive game. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Loyola. So who's your final? So your final would be now Northern, Northern Iowa, Iowa and Indiana, Indiana State. So break it down for me. Northern Iowa playing Indiana State. That would be a matchup of the best team in the league going against all the you know the good guards and you know Christian Williams and Laravia. Yep. Um, two good coaches in the valley. Um, your thoughts on that matchup as your final? Likewise, um, I, I just think Indiana State's built for a weekend tournament. Uh, I think they're deep enough uh, to do it. And also, I get a little bit of the tinfoil hat in that Valley wants two bids to the NCAA. Um, so oh, you know, no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but I do think um, there there's an aspect that um, I, I just think Indiana State's built for a championship run. Um, I, I don't have anything, any facts in front of me. I just have that feeling. Um, I, and I, I, it, I couldn't say if they if they played each other on Sunday and Indiana State won that game, I wouldn't be shocked. But. Um, yeah, no, I, I can see where you're going with that. And so my, my final is Loyola against Bradley. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think Bradley that avenges the loss from, from a week earlier, for, well, I guess, yesterday. But um, it will be a week since that game. Um, I think Bradley would win a very close game against Loyola on Sunday. And I think Bradley will cut down, and this sucks as an Illinois State fan to say this, but yeah. I think Bradley's cutting down the nets again, again. for the second straight year. At Arch Madness, I think that Brian Wardle knows how to. He's proven that he knows how to win three games in three days. Yep. And he's proven that he can make it through a difficult um, path to get there. Yep. As well, um, they have good good enough players. I think Brown, as a senior, is going to be the guy that's going to have to lead them through. Yep. Um, when there's lulls on the offense, I like knowing that I have a really good guard with a lot of experience. Yep. Just kind of going back to my Indiana State pick, they they're just they're. They've won four in a row. Mm-hmm. They've won four or five. Um, 
I, and I'm not, I'm I, not criticizing your pick because this is a wide open tournament. It, you it can is. make a case for a lot of teams. I can I can make a case that Missouri State could be cutting down the nets on Sunday. I wouldn't be that surprised. I think you could make a case for all six teams. Yep. To and and I'm even including Southern Illinois in that because they could defend three games to yeah. win. But you could you could make a case for all six teams. Yeah. To cut down the nets, I don't think you can. I don't think you can make a case for any of the people playing on Thursday, which. That's a bummer, but I think it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough to see. But um, yeah, no, I, I it's gonna be a really awesome tournament. Um, I I'm looking forward to it. So many different things that are gonna happen between now and then. Um, you and I won't be right on all these picks, so no. it's just gonna. I think that uh, we'll see some craziness. We we always do. Yeah. Um, so real quick, uh, planning to head down. Planning to head down. Good. Um, so I will be down there starting Wednesday um, evening, um, and I will be there through the weekend. I know that your schedule is a little bit different. I uh, can't stay through the whole weekend, but um, we will. TBD. TBD, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, the Redbirds keep rolling, Baker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'd love to interact with people who listen to us. So yeah, we'll follow, tweet out. follow us on Twitter. We're going to tweet out when we're going to be meeting with people. I don't know exactly what we're going to do podcast-wise. Because um, I don't think we've really no, we've really so wrapped out what we're gonna do. We'll do some shows while we're down there and interact with you guys, just because we want to meet everybody. I've, I, there's been a lot of people contact me at ISU games that it's been hard to get kind of coordinate to get a hold of and yep. stuff like that. So, but I, we'll make a point to you know meet up with you guys, especially Thursday night. I mean, yep. there's not gonna be very many people there Thursday, right? So, yeah, um, that'll be uh, that'll be a good time to kind of reach out to us. And if you see us, you know, by Absolutely. all means, come up. We're super approachable people so yeah um, looking forward wait, to it can't wait to meet you guys i'm looking forward to the whole tournament i mean i know you probably the whole family's going down right yes oh my mom will not be back from florida but oh, my dad will be down there all of our family friends. oh i can't wait to see him. got a buddy flying in from uh uh he's at a work conference so he's actually making a pit stop in st louis on his way home um so just to come in for uh, no better place one of the sessions no better place uh, so yeah really looking forward to it um it's my favorite uh weekend of the year uh, no doubt about that it's it's gonna be so much fun. So uh, yeah, just looking looking forward to getting in there, seeing the floor, just everything about Arch Madness. It's just it, for me, it's been oh god, it's been like seven years since I've been to Arch Madness. Oh wow, it's been a it's been a minute. I didn't realize or two. that. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't been in a while. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thirtieth year, all kinds of cool giveaways. It's just gonna be a good. Um, it's gonna be a good Arch Madness. Yeah. If you if you haven't been and you listen to this podcast and you love the Valley. Gosh, if you can make it down, do it. It's it even for a day. If you can try to make a session, mm-hmm. it's it's worth checking out because it's such a it's a f- such a fun thing. Because if you're a fan of a Missouri Valley team, it's kind of one of those like we've always we talked about on this podcast. We're all cheering for each other. I mean, obviously we're you know we don't want to. There's one you have one team going into this tournament you want to right. win, but like it is kind of like it's a big family. It is. It, it really is. So uh, with that, see you in St. Louis. I am excited and honored, is a good word, to be joined by Associate Commissioner Jack Watkins of the Missouri Valley Conference. How are we doing today, Jack? I'm great, Vance. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, probably most notably, and for the Valley fans out there, and for us, um, you've had a lot of roles at the Missouri Valley Conference. But like I said, the most notably is you've been the tournament director of Arch Madness since 2013. Yeah, it's been argued that I've done everything in the tournament but play in it. (laughs) Um, I started out as the league's uh, media coordinator in 1992, and then I moved over to the marketing and TV side exclusively in 2003. And when Joe Mitch, 
our tournament director retired in the summer of 2012, I took on the moniker, good, bad, or indifferent, warts and all, of being the tournament director since 13. So there's only been two in the in the 30 wow. year history of Arch Madness. Now, the conference played our postseason tournament from 1977 to 1990 on campus. Ironically, here as we live and breathe today, we're at the site of the last on campus at Redbird Arena in 1990. When, when Illinois State beat Southern Illinois yes. in the final. My father remember, drove all the way to Normal for that game and remembers it um, fondly. And I believe uh, Rich Heron at the time was like, we gotta get this thing to a uh, neutral site. It's, it's, it's <laughs> funny that, that the seeds of Arch Madness were born that very night. So, um, to, to, move, to move to a neutral site from fairness. Yes. And with St. Louis's geographical location at the time in the conference composition, it was a natural fit. Absolutely. Um, so Arch Madness, 30 years this year. Um, what does that mean to you, Jack? Well, I, you know, I, I was not part of the staff the first two, but I will tell you there's a great deal of pride, honestly. Uh, you know, I have, I, I'm 57 years old, and I'm almost to the midpoint that I've worked as many or half as many as the years I've been alive. Um, and I'm quite proud of our staff, Vance. Uh, you know, a lot of the things we're doing to celebrate uh, Arch Madness 30 mm -hmm. started in the summer and spring of 2018, uh, going out and trying to get promotional giveaways with our corporate partners, something that we had never done before. And we have a commemorative poster on Thursday night, uh, uh, insulated lunch bag on Friday afternoon, a championship trophy bobblehead on Friday night. We'll talk a little bit more about that later a snow globe that we call a confetti globe <laughs> for semifinal Saturday. And then our good friends at State Farm uh, gave us 5,000 championship rings for title game Sunday. So it's a new step for us that, we, uh, that we're doing promotional giveaways, but that's just one of many things. We, we've had an MVP bracket challenge mm -hmm. for the previous M MVPs. We're down to two now. By the time this airs, we will have had a champion. Um, and we've done season-long promotions to celebrate 30 years. I, I, again, I can't be more proud of our staff, and I'm quite confident that we will conduct a tournament that it's worthy of our student-athletes yes. and our fans that come to St. Louis. We're so excited about it. We've talked about the giveaways um, at length on the podcast over, you know, since it's been announced. Um, I, I jokingly tell Baker, uh, Monday morning I will be walking around work with the championship ring on. Uh, hopefully the Salukis <laughs> did it, um, you know, on Sunday right beforehand. But anyways, uh, I'll find a way to wear, wear that ring. Well, you know, I and we're grateful for that. We're grateful for all of our fans. You know, we've, we've, we've tried really hard over the years to try to make things affordable. I mean, mm -hmm. we're playing in a building, Vance, quite honestly, that's had about $90 million of renovations over the last two years. It's the home of the Stanley Cup champions. We try really hard to hold our ticket prices down, but playing in a palace, and I can't wait for our fans to see the full renovation mm -hmm. this time where all the seats that used to be blue are now black. Uh, I know the blues colors are, are blue, uh, gold, and white, but the building is black seats, a uh, lot of gray and white in it. The lights are state-of-the-art. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a much different fan experience than what, what we've had 
uh, prior to the last two yeah. years. It's a big, I mean, just seeing, you know, the transition of the tournament through the years. I mean, the Enterprise Center is, you know, home to Arch Madness and it's what I think of. So every time, you know, that, you know, I'm just so happy that it's going to be in St. Louis for the foreseeable future and for the sake of the podcast name, March to the Arch. Um, you know, very happy with that. But the Enterprise Center is just such a great place and synonymous with Missouri Valley Hoops in my mind. Totally agree. You know, uh, this year will be the 26th year of the tournament in that facility um, in November after about a six month negotiating period we announced our extension through 24 with an option through 25 it's really funny when we went through an RFP uh, experience or procedure if you will process in the spring of 14 you know I wouldn't say that we were looking to move. We're, we're very happy where we are, but we, we certainly, from a business dollars and cents, it made sense to, to bid out the tournament. And we had qualifying bids from, from suburban Chicago and Sprint Center in Kansas City. But meat madness or barbecue madness <laughs> or a big, big shoulders madness doesn't quite work like arch madness. And we're grateful that, that after the years of equity that we've had in, uh, it sounds it sounds pretty vain and narcissistic, but it is an iconic brand in college basketball circles. Most people know what Arch Madness is. Absol absolutely. Um, so, is there a moment as your time in tournament uh, as tournament director of Arch Madness that you're most proud of, or you look around and you're like, "Wow, this is this is what, what why I do this." Well, there's a lot of great moments that have occurred. You know, in the gosh, since 2013. Uh, you know, it's part of our tournament history. It was pretty special when Creighton and Wichita State played in the final my first year. Um, it was a memorable game. Uh, Doug McDermott uh, led Creighton to victory that day. But Wichita State gets an at-large. Um, what Creighton announces about 10 days later, it's leaving the league, and all Wichita State does is go to the national semifinals. Um, that tournament was special in a number of ways. Uh, Wichita's 34-0 and 0, uh, in 14. But we've, we had never had our automatic bid uh, awarded on a buzzer beater until Wes Washburn and Northern Iowa beat Evansville in 2016. Uh, there's a lot of memorable moments for me, but, but I would say that when that shot went through the hoop for about 48 hours, we were the center yes. of the basketball universe. I still don't understand how the back iron supported that shot to go up straight up in the air and drop right between the hoop. I just, I mean, it's an iconic Arch Madness moment, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and, and, you know, we've had, we've had, other, had other individual performances. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, you know, before my tenure as tournament director, um, 2007 was very special. Um, but there have been other moments. I, you know, the videos that we produce for the 30-year celebration, since we're here on the ISU campus, I still remember when, when Skip Schaefbauer was rolled out in a wheelchair and Dan Muller gave him the championship trophy in 98 after Skip had broke his leg and in, in the quarterfinals. Um, and just the warrior that Dan Muller was as a player. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy has nails and spikes, by the way. He was, <laughs> he was, he had, he had played more minutes, I think, than anybody in Illinois State school history in the sport of men's basketball. And, uh, 
there's a lot of wonderful characters from that team. Uh, Rico Hill, yep. Leroy Watkins. I mean, you could go right down the line. Yep. You said 07. That's one of my favorite years. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the year we shattered all the... Uh, no, that would have been yeah, Southern. Yeah, is that yeah, when we yeah, broke yeah. all the attendance correct. records? Yeah. And then that was the Southern Bradley. Uh, was that the championship games? That was a semifinal. Semifinal game. Matt, That's Matt, one of my all-time favorite experiences. Yeah. Matt, Matt Shaw with a tip, and I think with about a minute, yes. uh, second point two remaining to send him to the final. Yep. And then uh, Parliament, we want the funk. Yeah. Uh, when when Nate Funk for Creighton went for thirty-two against Missouri State in the other semifinal. Yep. Uh, Twenty-two thousand six hundred and twelve. <laughs> I can honestly tell you, as God is my witness, that record will never be touched <laughs> because with the renovation and the fire marshal, the basketball capacity at Enterprise Center won't ever reach that again. Oh, I didn't know that. That is a really good um, fun yeah, fact there. Yeah. That it's, it's, uh, it's there. I can only say I was part of that. Well, well <laughs> what, was, what was really cool about that tournament, certainly about the, the, the sellout crowds that we had, was for our staff. And my background, uh, I've had the honor to be part of the Valley staff for 28 years. Prior to that, I was the men's basketball SID at the University of Missouri for five years and at Kansas State for one year. So I was, uh, and my friendship with Mitch Holtis goes all the way back to 86, 87. Uh, I was the basketball SID when Lon Kruger was the head coach there. And then it was, it could be at times exhilarating, challenging. You could use whatever adverb or, or, or uh, any type of adjective that you wanted the five years that I was at Mizzou working with Norm Stewart. Uh, <laughs> It really was a box of chocolates, <laughs> um, but but I had always hoped that the that the Valley Tournament would match the old Big Eight Tournament in Kansas City. Eight schools, KU, forty five minutes away. Certainly, Southern is our is our closest school, but that's two hours. But I had always hoped that it would rival mm -hmm. uh, that Arch Madness would rival the old Big Eight Tournament. Well, we went way past that in two thousand and seven. Kemper, now granted. Seating capacity wasn't the 22,000, I think it was 16,000 and change, but the Big Eight's closest school was 45 minutes away. Our closest school was about the same proximity of Columbia, Missouri from Kemper Arena. Yeah. And so we, we set, we, our total attendance of 85,000 that year was the biggest yeah. in college basketball that year. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. Man, wow. Just getting a lot of good uh, fun facts. Well, I, I, like you said, when you've been here. around, when you've been around yeah. for a long time. You know, and, you know, I have the fan perspective. I just love just going and experiencing it, you know, not on the business side of it. So I know that perspective's, um, you know, kind of a little bit different. But so from something the fans don't see, you know, from your perspective, when the ball is tipped and, you know, the tournament starts, what's your, what's your role throughout that entire time? Well, I mean, you know, I will tell you the least busy I am is when the ball is tipped off because yep. the focus is finally where it needs to be on the court. But you're watching things, whether it's uh, cheerleaders on the baselines, um, you're making sure that, that, that the horn does go off, that yep. a shot clock does not disable. I mean, these are little things, but you're asking. Uh, we've had, uh, it was, I would argue, one of the darkest moments in tournament history in 2017 in the second semifinal between Indiana State and Southern Illinois. We could not get one shot clock to operate, and we had to put the shot clocks on the ribbon board. Yep. It, was, uh, it, was, it was honestly one of the lower moments for me uh, since I've been tournament director. You know, you got to have some sun with your moon or moon with your son, but, uh, 
but that that is the kind of thing that you're watching for all the time. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a little thing, but when the end of a half, the red light indicator on the on the backboard. Well, we had a we had a we had a one half one time in a, I guess it would have been the semifinals between Loyola and Bradley in 18 were on one end of the court that the LED didn't illuminate mm -hmm. at the end of the half. Well, come to find out that 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 one of our television partners had unplugged a very key cable. And so so of course at halftime the Enterprise Center staff is scurrying up on a ladder and right. we're back to being operational again. But those are the little things that you know, why would somebody why would why would you let it run down to zero at the, to, before you have the national anthem or God bless America where you're looking to make sure that they both illuminate. Oh. And so they're, they're, they're a little, I, I, you know, to fans, that may seem like a not so much mm -hmm. until it happens when it's for real. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> those, are, those are some of the, the little nuances that you're, that you're looking for when the game is actually taking place. So you talked about a, a TV partners. That's also one of your roles um, within the Valley office is, is heading uh, NBC Sports uh, properties or the liaison there. Um, that is one thing just as a fan that it just continues to get better because every game is realistically at my fingertips with you know the ESPN plus and all of our great sports um, partners that uh, that you know have the Valley Hoops game so maybe talk a little bit about your role within um, kind of that relationship sure well uh, the Valley on ESPN the digital network we have to go all the way back to the aforementioned departure by Creighton obviously we hadn't had a change in membership advance for 19 years uh, or excuse me 17 years when the University of Tulsa left us in 96 to join the new Western Athletic Conference. And so it was us in the Ivy League that didn't have a, a change in membership. And so when, when, Creighton, when Creighton left us in 13, how do you stay relevant in a shrinking linear space? And talking about linear, your traditional ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, mm -hmm. uh, platforms like that. Well, you create a digital network. So while we were renegotiating our contract with ESPN to try to get ahead of it, to, to get their support for the creation of the Valley on ESPN, we did infrastructure audits on all of our 10 campuses. What does that mean? Well, do you have the ability to outfit a mobile truck, a horse trailer to put production equipment or like for example, at, at Illinois State, they have a central control room mm -hmm. where all the fiber is wired to that base camp, if you will. And when we, were, when we were doing the Valley on ESPN audit to see what was on, we didn't have everybody do a one-size-fits-all. Those that wanted to build a center control room in fiber, we allowed them to do that. Those that, because of the, the, the geographical uh, distance, if you will, of their athletic venues, like at an Indiana State, that's not a good example, my apologies, like a Bradley, a Southern Illinois, where all their it's not it's not fiber friendly to make mm -hmm. that happen or it's very expensive well we permitted them to use a mobile unit and you can use a backpack technology to transmit the signal so we what it was important to recognize early on that there were varying degrees of commitment that were already on campus uh, there were certain baseline uh, production standards for cameras uh, a consistent graphics package, uh, 
you know, if you really want to get technical, there's a company called Ross that does a that that does an expression a, a, a computer that's called the Expression. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, it's basically a graphic server, where where that's where you have the ESPN look on all of our shows. Oh, okay. And so basically, there was a guy named Al Fong that worked at ESPN that had developed, uh, for lack of a better term, a truck in a box. And basically, it was like a steam a steamer chest mm -hmm. that you that a, a, a big box that you could put all of your technical equipment in and so we were like well we're going to graduate a little bit more than that and so there were varying degrees of what schools already had on campus and i would i would argue saint patrick's day in 2015 was a seminal moment for us we didn't have our deal we were really close to having our deal done with espn but we, uh, in the same day, Doug Elgin, our commissioner, and I visited Evansville in the AM in Indiana State in the PM. And one of our technical advisors, a company called Tupelo Raycom that produces our Olympic sports mm -hmm. um, for us for the Valley on ESPN, they came with a production model, for lack of a better term. We had a Subaru, a Chevy, and a Cadillac. And to both university presidents, they're like, we don't want to see, we're not here to see the Subaru and the Chevy. We're here to see the Cadillac, and so I would argue that that was that was a very pivotal moment. Uh, two weeks later, we had a meeting in in Indianapolis at the Men's Final Four, and we we struck our deal points for the new agreement. Great. And so we had aggregated. Okay, what can we bulk buy to help everybody that everybody needs? And we used a company called Alpha Video out of Winona, Minnesota. Easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> But we used Alpha Video, and they helped us go negotiate, not just one piece of uh, a pick right. and choose, but to get buy it ten times to get a a, a a discount on what we purchased. Okay. And so that that also helped with the the minimum production standards. Yeah. So that was the technical side. I know this is a long winded answer to your question, but but that was on the the production side. Right. And then that summer of fifteen, we took two campus representatives to a seminar at ESPN and Tupelo Raycom was it was part of our our RFP for our digital production business that they were on board as a technical advisor and so we 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 the, the big thing about this is that we didn't take anybody backward in terms of the number of of linear productions like ISU does a does a number for NBC Sports Chicago mm -hmm. Uh, we didn't. You were baked at the number that you did. Right. You couldn't expand that number, because we did a carve out in our contract that all, all those linear institutional uh, games, third tier, if you will, were protected. Mm -hmm. But but we have a production number that we have to deliver digitally to ESPN three or plus every year. And last year last year was the first time that we we went over seven hundred. So. So the first year, 15-16, we were contracted to do 370. Mm -hmm. We did 429. Wow. In 2016-17, we were contracted to do 520. We did 670. So in a year's time, we increased our number by 50%. Yeah. And that's a testament to our, to, our, to our president's council, our athletics directors and SWAs, certainly to those three groups, but our video managers that bring it every day. Yep. The, the, those, whether, it, whether it's Lucas Raycraft here now, or was previously Nick Helton, 
or is Miss Autumn Conley? Uh, that that the work that's done at ISU, certainly the works that's done at Southern Illinois by Dennis Galloway, Brad Gray, and Sam McGlone before that. Um, but there's success stories on all of our campuses, and what the Valley and ESPN did. You, to come back to what you started, it's kind of like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> where you have the original statement, you got the gooey center, and then you're back yes. to the, yep, to the yep. end. Uh, that that our fans are able to consume content without that are either you know cord shavers or cord cutters. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're able to consume content now and much more where it look has a consistent look and feel. Yep. And and you know we'll see what Mother Nature does with weather with us this spring. But we're slated to do 755 live events oh, wow. for ESPN. Depending, that, yeah. Again, totally dependent on Mother Nature's mood yep. relative to softball and baseball. <laughs> I mean, I think the one thing that all Valley fans can say, you can't have too many Valley sports available to us. So keep pumping them out, and we're going to consume them, hopefully, as uh, you know, Valley fans out there. So uh, one thing I, that really intrigues me, you know, these are great ways to get the Valley name out there is through our partnerships with media outlets. You know, Arch Madness is a big one. But another one that I take a lot of pride in uh, just as a fan of the Valley is the NCAA tournament, uh, men's and women's, when the Valley is a host site uh, for um, the, the tournament, uh, depending whether it be first, second, uh, final four. I went to the women's final four when it was in uh, St. Louis when I was little. Um, so can you take us through maybe the bidding process or how how does the Valley get involved with um, becoming the host site? I'll try really hard. I'm Irish, so it takes me a little while. Um, this uh, Let's start with the end and then go backwards. So uh, this past, uh, earlier this, well, on February 4th, the Valley submitted a bid to be a first and second round men's site at Enterprise Center in 2025 and 2026. Now, the bid, the bid cycle is actually 23 through 26, but when you're, when you're looking to bid on something like that, you have to look at whether you have the facility, mm-hmm. whether you have the hotel rooms to put people up, and sadly in 23, there's a, there's a citywide uh, conventions in St. Louis, oh. the weekends of the first and second round in the regional. So we're out in 23. In 24, there's a, the, the weekend of the first and second round, there's another citywide. Uh, in 2025, there's a convention the weekend of the regionals, but not the first and second rounds. And in 26, uh, thank goodness, there are no citywide conventions. So you have to aggregate the building. You have to you have to make sure that you, the venue is available. All mm-hmm. the practice days that they comply with the NCA bid specs, um, and you also have to have hotel rooms. Right. And so you you aggregate all that information. Well, when we found out in May of 2019 that the bid was going to be for 23 through 26, well, we started aggregating all that information. So we knew mm-hmm. where 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 opportunities were going to lie. So, so you, you, you work with, we work with the St. Louis Sports Commission and Explore St. Louis, yeah. which is another term for the St. Louis Convention and Visitors Commission. And they helped us on the hotel side. Great. The Sports Commission helped us with some of the other building bid specs. So, you know, you put together a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the Valley's the host, I manage that budget. Myself and Kristen Swiderska 
our assistant tournament manager. She's actually a treasure is what she is. She's, her title does, she does so much more than that. But we monitor our, our budget. Uh, Mike Kern is our media coordinator. And really, with all respect to all of our staff, uh, we, would be the, we would be the triangular power that manages uh, those, those events from the Valley's perspective. And so we put, we, you know, I, talk, I don't ever bid on something without talking to them first. Um, but we construct the budget, and so that you, you get a lot of the legwork done, ambulance costs, police escorts for the teams, things of these nature that people be like, really? Yeah, yeah it, it's all part of it because it's part of your bid submission. So you aggregate all that, you submit it to the NCAA. So the committee meets over the summer, and then we'll find out, I think it's October 4th or 5th, they will select... Uh, they'll award sites for the 23 through 26 uh, bid cycle. Now this year, two weeks after Arch Madness 30, we host the first and second round at Enterprise Center. Uh, it's the coveted, I'm tongue-in-cheek here, Thursday, Saturday, first yep. and second round. Yep. And you're probably like, well, sounds wonderful to host them. Well, much like everybody else in the college basketball space, we find out the teams between five and six o'clock on Sunday, March the 15th, they start arriving at one o'clock on St. Patrick's Day, Tuesday the 17th. Oh my gosh. So it's not even 48 hours and the teams start arriving. And there's things like making signs, have the team's name on them, just the little things that you have to think about that you have to turn around in less than 24 hours. Well, the good thing about that is that the NCAA has, has vendors yep. that, that before it's announced, they start making ah. things on Sunday. I mean, the, the bracket is done, right. but word is spread very quickly. Yeah. Um, and so the non-team specific signage for hotels or the building and what have you, that'll arrive in St. Louis on Wednesday, March the 11th. So the first big bulk of it comes, mm -hmm. but the team specific stuff won't, won't arrive gotcha. until uh, on the afternoon of the 16th. So is it one of those things from your perspective, are you looking at the bracket and in the back of your mind, are you crossing your fingers for a team that travels well? So I'm, let's just say the coveted Kentucky block um, of fans that usually travel um, or, you know, the major, you know, powerhouses. Is that in the back of your mind, you're hoping for that's the draw that St. Louis gets? Certainly, yeah. um, you know, it's, I'm glad that we're talking about this today. We still have 5,000 tickets available oh. for the first and second Great. round. We are not sold out. Um, so there are tickets available, shameless plug, nca.com slash mbb tickets. Plug away. <laughs> uh, but, but to answer your question, Vance, certainly. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we, when we hosted uh, in Kansas City in 2013, um, we were sold out there, but we had Kansas and Kansas State assigned there. Added to some extra buzz. Roy, Roy Williams was there with North Carolina. They played Kansas in the second round, so there was a lot of there was a lot of buzz there. When we hosted in St. Louis in 2014, we had 5,000 tickets available on Selection Sunday, and we had five assigned that could drive: Kansas, Kansas State, Wichita State, Eastern Kentucky and the aforementioned UK Wildcats. Do you want to hear the fight song? I grew up singing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spare your listeners. Uh, 
I'm from Sykeston, Missouri, and we, we got the games on WPSD out of Paducah, Kentucky. Yep. Know it well, right across the river yeah. from my hometown. So, <laughs> but, but, but those do help. Mm -hmm. Now, when we hosted in 2016, uh, our, we had two number two seeds sent to us, Michigan State and Xavier, not exactly close as the crow flies, and Xavier and Dayton were two closest schools. And we didn't move the needle much at all in terms of selling tickets yep. after on after Selection Sunday. Um, it does add to the ambiance mm -hmm. uh, of having geographic teams that make sense. Again, you know, Joe Lenardi, Jerry Palm. I think for about five weeks now, they've had the Louisville Cardinals coming to St. Louis okay. and bracketology and other yep. other mock brackets. Uh, there had been a. a a consistent thread in the in their projections certainly the 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 NCA preview show that was on Saturday February 8th I think it had Louisville as a two seed well then that all signs again I don't want to, anybody that's a Louisville fan and what wait this guy from the valley saying they're gonna be a sign <laughs> but but it's it sure looks promising yeah that they'll be sent to us but I but for Valley fans there's another wrinkle you know, Creighton has had a great season this year. Yes. Creighton hosts the first and second round in Omaha this year, the same weekend as us, except for one key thing. Creighton can't host itself. So Creighton will be sent on the road. Well, oh. St. Louis, Missouri is the closest geographic site to Omaha, Nebraska. There we go. A little Wouldn't that be amazing to have it two Valley members in Louisville and Creighton? That sent to st louis that'd be great um good historical um you know aspect of the valley there so just curious can so can our automatic bid come to st louis if we're hosting yes. they can okay it's different um, good question when it's a conference mm -hmm. because when we hosted in 2014 wichita state was in our league yep. they were sent to us yep. so it would be very interesting you know if if whether whether it's northern iowa would get to the final and lose to somebody else from that side of the bracket. Will we get to? I don't know. I'm not a member of the basketball committee, but or if Northern I was our one selection, mm -hmm. and yes, we could host them. Okay, that's that's good to know, and probably something we're hoping for, or you know maybe just Northern Iowa or whoever uh, wins the automatic bid, um, you know, just stays for a couple of weeks. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, it would it would it certainly whether it was whether it was. Loyola, Bradley, Southern, Indiana State, it would not matter, it, but we would be happy to welcome them back two Absolutely. weeks later. Yep. So when we look out to the, uh, just the NCAA landscape, um, as, as a Valley office, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, know what's to come. So thinking, you know, you talk about former Valley schools with Creighton leaving. Do we, or how, how do we monitor what could happen that could eventually come back to the Valley and impact membership? Well, you know, pretty open-ended question. Um, I'll just say this is that certainly mm -hmm. when, when, when Creighton left us in 13 and Loyola was added, um, we went and visited, I believe, five or six schools. Um, when Wichita State left us in 17, a similar drill, I think we visited four to five schools and Valparaiso was added. Um, one little nugget that when the President's Council met that, that they put together a special working group um, in 17 to look at expansion beyond 10. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the President's Council meetings. Um, I know there was a lot of discussion about it. We haven't added 11th and 12th member. Um, if you're going to do something like that, it, it, needs to be, it needs to be the right choice on a number of different levels. Uh, competitively, uh, geographically, uh, commitment to athletics, commitment to endeavors like the Valley on ESPN. Um, and certainly, you know, Valparaiso, to its credit, Vance, our, all of our other nine existing members had 18 months to build out their production unit when we launched the Valley on ESPN. Valparaiso was added in June of 17 and started producing live content in October. Yeah, so, uh, to Mark LaBarbera, uh, their athletics director, President Mark Heckler, I mean, there was a big commitment there, and they, they, they're, they're uh, one of their vice presidents, Rick, Van, Rick Amrine, and, and others, and Ron Blatt's their video manager, they were able to get up and running. I guess the best way I could answer your question is that we would look look at somebody that it's a cliche, but really checked all those boxes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the sports, and and Valpo just went through a rather extensive uh, exercise with its with its own board. Okay, we need to be good in the sports that the valley. Right. Well, there are four sports that leap off the page at me. Certainly the sport of women's volleyball in the fall, where we've had multiple bid years in the last 15 years. Uh, baseball in the spring, where we had ISU played in a regional final, mm -hmm. along with Indiana State and Dallas Baptist. Rough to a tough start this year, but, but that's a sport that historically we've, we've had multiple bids. And certainly the bell ringing sports of men's and women's basketball. Yep. Yeah, um, there's this uh, kind of plug, just your passion around the Valley and just w welcoming a new member. There's a video out there of you basically welcoming Valpo to the Missouri Valley Conference at a women's volleyball game, I believe. Uh, the audio of that is great and just um, what it takes, the commitment of the Valley to Valpo and then Valpo to um, the Missouri Valley. And just it kind of shows your passion around it. And I really enjoyed reviewing that, um, kind of preparing for uh, for today's interview. So maybe back to Arch Madness, anything to plug, anything we want to get out there. I, you know, I, we say this to all our listeners, get down to St. Louis if you've never been, especially regardless of where your team stands for, stands in the, in the rankings right now. It's anyone's tournament this year. It always is. Um, anything there, Jack? I just think that if you went one time, you'd be hooked for life. Yep. And, and I, in, I realize in the climate in which we find ourselves, Vance, it's not easy to bring a family of four or beyond that. Um, you know, I, I'm most proud of one of the discounts that we do have, which is our family fun pack offer. Uh, it's brought to you by Perina Dog Chow, but it's four tickets, four sodas, and two popcorns for $75, which I realize that $18.75 is a lot of money, uh, you know, $75, and that's, that's just to get into the building. It's a commitment to get down there, certainly, but in this particular year, it won't be just basketball you're going to see. You are going to get a promo item, your own piece yes. of Arch Madness 30. And I think if you went one time, and whether it's a it's a group of five guys or four guys, with a group of four gals, or it's a combination, I think if you went one time and to experience 
you know, our tournament's been referred to as it has the look and feel of a first and second round or a regional. Uh, I think the good thing about it is that when somebody scores, it's always cheering. Yep. When you when you go to a home game, you know the home team always cheers, and there may be a smattering uh, when the visitor. But there's there's always a reaction yep. about Arch Madness, and I think that's the most enduring thing about it. If you go, whether you're you're there, what you're a fan of the two teams that are playing, you can't help but get hooked because there's a lot of drama. And I could not say it any better myself. Once again, Associate Commissioner Jack Watkins, thank you so much for joining us leading into Arch Madness weekend upcoming. Thank you for joining us. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Real quick programming note here before we jump into the interview with Harry Schrader of the Valley Hoops Insider. I was trying out some new software and unfortunately I cut off the introduction. So without further ado, we have Harry Schrader of the Valley Hoops Insider. Them to Holy Week, you know, so that's how I view this week. Yes, I know. It is one that I, uh, I've been joking. I've had my, uh, my time off request submitted for a couple weeks. It's approved and I'm just ready to get down to St. Louis. Yeah, it's, I live here, so it's, I'm, I'm, well, I'm waiting for all of you guys to show up, so come on down. <laughs> Hopefully uh, the, the crowds will be good, and um, the teams that need to travel well, travel well, and they pack the Enterprise Center. Yeah, and, you know, the crowds have been up at three or four or five of the, you know, respective places, and, and I think I want to say eight of the league teams had better attendance in the league play, obviously, than they did in non-conference, and so we hope that translates into big crowds in St. Louis. Absolutely, and I think that this year, um, yes, Northern Iowa is kind of the looming presence there, you know, outright victory or Missouri Valley regular season title. But, you know, I, I think that pretty much seeds one through six, in my opinion, um, you know, c can get hot for three days. Well, I agree. And frankly, when the bracket came out, you know, you're just watching everything play out yesterday. And then when the bracket comes out officially today and you look and think, Okay, Northern Iowa won, but Loyola has the easier, I think, second-round game than Northern Iowa does. And then I think the, I think Bradley probably beats SIU, and then that gives Northern Iowa the hardest semifinal game, too. I think somehow Northern Iowa won the regular season championship and got the worst draw between them and Loyola. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think any of five or six teams can win. Yeah, I mean, just that last Saturday, you know, for my respective team, the Saluki is pretty much, um, I wanted, I did not want to see Bradley follow that four um, seed. And, you know, just as I was watching games all day, I was like, this is really going to happen, isn't it? You know, just all of the dominoes that I did that uh, needed to fall for me to not get my way um, happened. But it was a fun uh, last Saturday of Valley Hoops with just a lot of implications. And then we had to wait till uh, this morning with the net rankings to, you know, finalize the, uh, the slots. Yeah, and they completely flipped. I mean, from earlier in the week, Bradley had a better, better NET than did Indiana State earlier in the week. And then throughout the week, Indiana State just has continued to win. They've got that four or five game winning streak. And so they've catapulted past the Braves and ended up with that number three seed. And I like all 10 of the coaches, but Greg Lansing is one of my favorites. So I'm happy for him. Me too. Um, you know, I just think, I mean, they've won four or five, and they're, they're trending really well. Um, I, I said this off air, but uh, that's I, I really like Indiana State um, in this tournament, just looking at the bracket um, right away. But is there is there a favorite in your mind? Do you like um, a team to get hot? Do you think Northern Iowa is going to uh, do the regular season and uh, Arch Madness championship here? 
Well, I think Northern Iowa is the best team in the league, and so they should win, right? That being said, you have to win three games in a row, and they're not very deep. Their bench doesn't give them hardly anything. I mean, uh, I know the one young man, Carter, I guess, had a bunch of points yesterday. Uh, but they routinely get, like, practically no points from their bench. And when you have three day, three games in three days, if the Panthers are going to make it that far, I think they're going to have to find some bench help this weekend just to give some uh, some of the other guys' legs rest. Uh, strangely, the Bradley Braves, who were, you know, smitten earlier in the year with injuries and all that, suddenly look like a deep team. And Missouri State, who was looking dead in the water, is suddenly a deep team that looks dangerous. And so, yeah, I think, as we said at the beginning, I think four or five teams could win. Northern should win because they have the best team. They have two guys that I think will be all-conference in Austin Fife and A.J. Green. And uh, Burhau has had a terrific season shooting the three and being that third option for them offensively. They should win. But, you you know, when you mention a, a team like uh, the Braves or the Bears or obviously Loyola, they're all a little bit deeper than Northern Iowa and all have proven they can beat them. I guess Loyola and Bradley and that early weird season uh, win by Illinois State – those are the teams that beat Northern Iowa, and so you would think one of those teams could do it again. Absolutely. I, I really think that um, the, the intrigue of Arch Madness is, you know, setting up your team to win, to get hot at the right time, you know, like Bradley did last year. But, yeah, I, I'm with you in the sense of I don't I, I don't think Northern Iowa is as deep um, to string together um, that many wins in, in that many days. But, obviously, I'm with you. A game In a single-game scenario, they're – 100% the best team in the league, and they obviously showed that by winning it outright uh, this year, which uh, didn't happen last year. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah, well, you're right, and, and I do think, you know, obviously if they can have an easy game in game one against whoever comes out of that 8-9 uh, scenario, or I guess, yeah, I guess it's 8-9, um, then, then they can rest guys in game one, and so game two maybe doesn't become a, as much of a depth problem for them. Uh, but by but by Saturday Sunday it could be an issue. Yep. So um, it, we've kind of switching gears here. Just Valley and Archman in history. Are there any moments that really stand out to you that that you would say that's my favorite Valley moment of all your years <laughs> covering it? Well, it's really funny, you know, because uh, shoot, I guess I've been to twenty something of them, and uh, there's a couple, honestly. I. And, and for weird reasons, I was standing next to, to Kale Cotton of the Wichita State Shockers on the floor and had my camera on him because I just knew he was going to be the most outstanding player named one of those years. The Shockers won the tournament. And so I had my little video camera on him just in case he happened to win the award, and I thought he was going to. And they announced his name. And so having that video of him being shocked and surprised and the teammates you know, celebrating him, that's one of them. Uh, when Wes Washburn hit that game-winning uh, bucket a couple of years ago against Evansville, bounced on the rim, hit the glass, hit the rim again, then fell in, and I was sitting kind of baseline right at that end where that ball was going through. So to watch that, it, I, I can still see it like in slow motion in my own mind. That That is a moment. And I used to announce, I guess, every game, well, various tournaments, I announced every game of the tournament on the radio. And oh. and there were a couple of years when those Creighton teams were down here and really good. And I remember when Kyle Korver, who's gone on to have a, a really 
you know, real decent NBA career. He was a freshman and uh, coming off the bench for Creighton and just had a dynamic uh, Arch Madness performance through the weekend. And my color commentator, who's a good friend of mine but has since passed away, uh, started calling him Special K. And so I've never forgotten Kyle Korver and calling him Special K all weekend long, too. So, yeah, those are just some of them, but they're for weird reasons, not because, yeah. oh, something came from behind or, or and I don't have a rooting interest. I don't have a team, you know, in the tournament. You know, I'm, I'm uh, broadcasting and writing about all ten of them. And so it's for those weird moments where maybe I engaged with a particular player or happened to have a good view of something or my own personal memories. Oh, that's great. You know, I'm, personally, mine is uh, the 2007 semifinal SIU Bradley game. I don't know why. I think it was just I was a uh, senior in high school. I was getting ready to go to SIU, and then that was just uh, a crazy environment. That was the year that we shattered all of the uh, attendance records at Arch Madness, and just that atmosphere is one that, I don't know, always uh, sticks out in my mind. Well, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember that that year so well because, you know, I've been going to the Valley Tournament at that point, probably eight, nine years, and all of a sudden, you know, we have these gigantic crowds and nationally ranked teams and, and all of the excitement behind that. You mentioned Bradley and they had Patrick O'Brien, the big seven-footer, and uh, they were, you know, terrific, and Creighton was great, and Southern was outstanding. I mean, it was just such a dynamic tournament. And the place was packed out on semifinals and packed out on the finals. I mean, it was just a spectacular uh, electric environment that weekend. And then, of course, several teams go to the NCAA tournament. Right, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a semifinal I will uh, not forget, but the next day I would like to forget that championship game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to me, semifinal day is the best day of the tournament every year. I say this uh, – I say this every year. I think one of my favorite moments, like, I don't know why I get chills, but, like, sitting there in the semifinals when the lights go down in the Enterprise Center, that is one of my all-time favorite just feelings um, in sports. And I don't know what it is about it, but when those lights go down and either the entrance uh, videos for each team started playing, that's just that's a chills moment for me. Well, it's it's amazing. I mean, they do this tournament as well as any tournament in the nation. Obviously, the Missouri Valley Tournament's the longest, second longest one nationally to be in one city. Like uh, I think the other one is the Big East in New York, and 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 so they know how to do it right. The Missouri Valley people know how to run these tournaments, and of course, we're they're hosting the NCAA first round two weekends later. So Jack Watkins and Doug Elgin and Mike Kern and all those guys, they know how to do this thing. From a marketing standpoint, an organizational standpoint, fan appreciation, all of that. I mean, they're off the charts great. I mean, it's a high major production. It's such a good experience. If um, I, We had Jack Watkins, um, or he's going to be on this episode as well, and we interviewed him, and he said, I think he summed it up perfectly, if you go to Arch Madness once, you're going to get hooked, because especially if you have any type of rooting entrance. Um, uh, because it's just it's a high major feeling um, at the tournament. There's no doubt about it. I've been to the Big Eight, well, back when it was the Big Eight tournament, and I've been to the Big Ten tournament, and uh, so I can tell you for a fact this is big-time college basketball. The crowds aren't as big uh, sometimes, most of the times, but the feel, the organization, the way they do it, it is everything high major, just like you said. 
I'm with you. Hey, thank you so much for taking some time to preview uh, Arch Madness. Um, I know you're likely going to be putting out uh, some articles. So anything, uh, where can people find you, or what do you have upcoming for this week? Uh, the old famous Twitter handle, Father Harry one And then, uh, yeah, we'll be doing all kind of preview work, some for midmajormadness.com. I'm throwing up an article for them this afternoon, and then uh, probably and all throughout the week for midmajormadness.com. And then our website, valleyhoopsinsider.com. We'll be doing some stories, but we'll also be doing some video interviews. We like to overdo the interview side during Arch Madness because everybody's going to be covering the game. I have a thing we call Voices of the Valley, and I'll get most of the play-by-play broadcasters on video interviews to talk about their teams throughout the week, and it'll be on our website. It's a lot of fun. Very cool. You know, I'm as most Valley junkies, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're somewhat of a, a Valley junkie if you found a uh, Missouri Valley Conference podcast and listen regularly. But if you haven't been to Valley Hoops Insider, I mean, that is a must-read for any Valley Hoops, whether it be Missouri Valley or the Ohio Valley. Um, always uh, really appreciated you being a part of the show and um, really enjoyed engaging with you on social media. So, um, looking forward to seeing you in person, uh, Harry, down in St. Louis. Yeah, we absolutely have to get a meal together or something while you guys are down. And, uh, yeah, we'll just celebrate uh, Valley basketball all weekend. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and uh, see you down there. Go Valley. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, as we go into Arch Madness's upcoming weekend, we want to just talk through where our heads are at around awards. Um, so just kind of consensus first team here, Baker. I mean, we pretty much agree yeah, on we, everything. Yeah, we do. Literally everything. So Rocket. So first off, Coach of the Year, Vance, who is? Uh, as we just previously discussed, uh, it is now Ben Jacobson. Yeah, um, and it's really close for me, but... I think that the separation, I'm sure you agree with the same thing. Separation that Northern Iowa won the league outright, and um, the second, I think second place would have been Brian Mullins, and he just, they limped in. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that's, a, that's maybe no brainer is not the right term, but um, I think that's where it will fall. Yep. Um, looking at uh, first team, you want to say yeah. who, who yeah, we have? So, so for first team, we have, well, actually, let's, let's do Larry Bird Player of the Year first. Okay. Larry Bird Player of the Larry Year. Larry Bird Player of the Year is going to be? A.J. Green. A.J. Green. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, JFL would have probably been your second choice there, yep. and I think he should be the second choice there. But um, A.J. Green did it all. The, he had a great year. Um, stumbled a time or two. But, I mean, the shots he made, he had so many good moments in, in the year. Um, I think that he is going to be great for the legacy of the Larry Bird Player of the Year. Yes. Um, but that leads us into first team, which uh, which we obviously have A.J. Green and J.F.L. as well. Correct. Um, and then I think that for us, we're going to go with the three big guys. Yep. With Fife, Robbins, and Crutwig yep. as the other three for first team. Um, you can make a case for different guys out there. Key, you know, there's different... There's other guys in the league that had great years, I'm sure. Um, Don't Mask, I know I had a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and but he's kind of stumbled down the stretch. Um, is there anybody else that you're that we're kind of missing? That um, I think you nailed it. I mean, key. Would... I know the Bradley guy, Bradley. Some of the Bradley players that were leading off, like Brown. Yeah. Are that you're gonna maybe you could have made a case for them? Yep. I think Childs, watching what he did, he probably would have been on this team had he played a full year. Yes. But is there anybody... I, I think it, it, the interesting part is we arguably have three centers on our <laughs> on our first team. Who cares? Which I mean doesn't matter. But, I don't know, if, uh, and, and I wonder if the media will not do that. Right. But it's our podcast, so, so who cares? Of our five, is Robbins the one that we would switch out with? Whoever for me, he is. Yeah, for me, he Same. is. Um, 
And I don't know who I picked for that last spot. I mean, Key comes to mind, but Key he had Brown. some, he had some I, weird games down the stretch. Brown kept him yeah. afloat. Uh, it's a that's a tough one. Um, yep. You could you could name any five guys, and we're not gonna and we're not gonna break down all of those. But that's absolutely. our five. And you know what? Uh, it's our podcast, so we can do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we do have one other award: a uh, newcomer of the year. Uh, this well, we year. got that in freshman. So oh, two yeah, two more awards. Uh, so newcomer of the year, uh, someone we've been just kind of giddy about all year, <laughs> um, and that's Gage Prim for the Missouri State Bears. I think of that team and who we thought was going to be their players, um, Gage Prim kind of um, just had a coming out party this year and flew under the radar, I would say, um, coming into the league and then just had a stellar season. I remember going into the season when we were doing the breakdown of Missouri State, we both looked at each other, who's Gage Prim? Yes, like, exactly. Didn't know. Um, and when I saw, when I, Illinois State played Missouri State at home really early in the year, and it was after that game I'd fallen in love with Gage Prim's game because he was just, he's down low, he just, he'll fight you till the end. It yep. is just, he kind of got that linebacker build where he is just, He's a pain. I, if you're playing against him down low, he's got to be a pain in the butt to play against. Absolutely. So hats off to Gage Prem. He hit. He was. He and he was one of the most consistent players on that Missouri State team. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's uh, probably why we give him the nod. Is he was their rock for, <laughs> figure really was. and um, <laughs> really was. So um, and then the final award, uh, freshman of the year is um, Marcus Damask from SIU. Absolutely. He is eighth in scoring as of right now um, in the regular season for, or I guess he will be for the regular season. Yeah. Season's over, Baker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, he he has been a lot for the Slukies uh, success this year of not um, getting, getting out Thursday and finishing um, in the top half of the league. You can make a case for some other guys. We've talked about all the freshmen in the league, but I think for me, it's clear cut. Damask was the reason why um, Southern Illinois has, uh, you know, kind of had the year that they did. So. Absolutely. This has been episode 30 of the March to the Arch podcast in this 2019-2020 Missouri Valley Conference season. This has been the Arch Madness preview show where we broke down the tournament through the lens of the March to the Arch guys. So where can people find us, Baker? Yeah, you can find us, can find us on Twitter. At March Arch Pod, at March Arch Baker. Uh, you can send us emails as well, marcharchmailbag at gmail.com. Um, this show is awesome, really fun to do. Um, this is, we're going to be interacting, doing some fun stuff while we're in St. Louis. We'll probably do some updated podcasts, you know, every content we can get out there to you guys, um, just kind of for your mornings of, just kind of prep you for the day. Yep. Um, but yeah, like, I, like we said earlier, feel free to contact us and get a hold of us. And it is so awesome that we are doing episode 30. The week of the 30th Arch Madness. I know. We did not plan that, but hey, we rolled with it. I don't know how that works, but it is what it is. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun, and uh, let's get to it. All right. And with that, I will say go Valley and go dogs. Go Birds. Start talking about the Valley. Why not? Hey, Valley fans. You're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Now, turn up that radio and make some noise. Let me do something different. Turn up the... Hey, Valley fans. You're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. So get off your butt and make some noise. Hey, Valley fans. You're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise.